the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, what a joy to be with you. And, and I tell you, on Senior Day, it just reminds us that it's fun. On uh, Senior Day and days when we dedicate babies, we just get to kind of celebrate with the body of Christ and uh, families in our church who are seeing their, uh, their young one graduate and head off to college or seeing that college graduate or those with a master's and doctorate degrees. And it's just fun that we get to be a part of that with you. And so we're excited for you and grateful. And today we continue our study that we've been in since uh, the beginning of the year victory our new normal and what we've been doing is following the life of the nation of Israel as they are coming into the promised land and what we've realized is that that God is bringing the nation of Israel into their victory into their promise into their inheritance and as we've watched God bring them we've seen kind of a a, a, a pattern or a map that we can follow as we move into the victory that God has for us. And uh, we've made some great discoveries together, but we have to admit, at the beginning of our study, I told you the reason we need to talk about this is because most of us would probably not describe our life as victorious. And if God has a desire for us to live in victory. And Jesus even said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we're not really living the abundant life. Then something's wrong. Well, for three months now, we've been talking about what's wrong. So I want to ask you a question. How's it going now? Are you walking in victory now every day? Isn't it, isn't it funny? We've been learning how to do that, but we're still not doing it. There, there's still a problem. So why, why is it? I don't, I don't get it. Why is it that, that even as I understand the promise that God gives, I'm still not walking in victory? I, I think we might answer that question today or at least give us some direction that we might need to embrace. Now, I, I've told you before that my initial uh, goal in this study was to, to probably be about six weeks, and it's ended up being much longer than I thought it would. I didn't intentionally go uh, attempt to go through the book of Joshua, but that's what we have been doing. And, uh, and it's fun as it unfolds, and as we're able to see how God brings to us uh, a message that is just really current to the challenges that we face. And, and it's fun that today, though I'd, I'd not planned that, when I began to look at where we are in our study, I don't know that I would ever offer a different, I, I don't know that I could offer a better message for graduates than the one that we're gonna look at today. Uh, for those that are about to step out and embark in a new journey and, and, uh, and, and face a world that is hostile, I, I think these words are great. So not just for us, but, but maybe even for them as well. And, and, and so it just reminds me that God knew you would be here today. And, um, and maybe these words are for you. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua, and we're in chapter 17. Now, we've already looked at chapter 17 in a larger view. We've looked at several of these chapters together. But we have discovered and discovered last week that chapter 17 is a part of the story of Joshua in the book of Joshua, 
where God is now instructed Joshua to divide up the land among the 12 tribes of Israel. They had already together defeated all of the major fortified cities. So all that was left now are individual pockets of the enemy in the smaller areas. And God instructs Joshua and says, okay, go ahead and divide up the land. And it now becomes the responsibility of all of you who inherit this particular land to drive out the enemy that remains in your land allotment and go ahead and establish yourself in that land. And so each of the tribes are given an allotment. I told you that when you, when you move forward from chapter 12, really, or uh, in the book of Joshua, kind of need a map as you read through and see the allotment as it is given. But God is simply saying to them, okay, the, the major battles are over. There's still some battles that need to be fought but now they're going to be fought and, and, and by the individual groups and, and you are to um, settle into the new land. Now, when we come to chapter 17, verse 14, what we have now is a complaint on the part of one of the tribes or two of the tribes of Israel. They're, they come to Joshua and they say, we don't really like our allotment. Um, you've divided the land up, but the land you gave us is really not enough. We need more. So they bring their complaint to Joshua, and in this really interesting story, we learn some key truths and those truths help us understand why even when God promises us that we can have victory every day, it, it kind of shows us why we're not experiencing that victory every day. So with that in mind, let's look at this story as it unfolds and then we'll kind of unpack it in our time together. But beginning with verse 14, chapter 17. Then the sons of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given me only one lot and one portion for an inheritance since I am a numerous people whom the Lord thus far has blessed? And Joshua said to them, if you are a numerous people, go up to the forest and clear a place for yourself. There in the land of Pezrites and of Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. And the sons of Joseph said, the hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are in Bethshan and its towns and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one lot only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, 
you shall clear it. To its farthest borders it shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, even though they have chariots of iron, and though they are strong. Now, you know, it's just kind of a sidebar comment in this encounter. But if you look at the story, it really presents for us a fascinating understanding of how we can be promised victory and yet miss it. There are three things that I notice that the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim do that, that allow them to be in the place God had identified for them but not experience all God's blessing. And those three things, I think, keep us from experiencing victory in our life. So let's look at them together. The first thing that I think will keep us from walking in victory and the fullness of all that God has for us is when we, in our life, exercise partial conquest. Now that's exactly what happens in verse 12 and 13. The Bible says that they did not drive out the Canaanites, there were still pockets of Canaanites and the enemy still lived there. Now in fact, in chapter 16, verse 10, it says that Manasseh and Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites that lived in Gezer so that the Canaanites lived in their midst, in the midst of Ephraim to this day, and they became forced labor. In fact, if you'll look in the book of Judges, there's a passage of Scripture that really sheds some light not only on these two tribes, but some of the problems that the entire nation is going to face in the days ahead as they too come into the land of promise but don't experience the victory that God had promised. The Bible says in, in the book of, of Judges, this, let me read it to you in, in chapter 1, 27 down through verse 33, and, and to kind of summarize it for you, it said, but Manasseh did not take possession of Bethshan, so that the Canaanites persisted in living in the land, and, and it came about that as Israel became strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Now, it's very important. And it says this, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites, Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants, Asher did not drive out the inhabitants, Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants. What happened is after the allotment was given and each of the tribes was to settle into their land, they refused to follow God's command. You see, God made it very clear before they ever came into the promised land that they were to drive out the enemy, kill them, or drive them out completely, not allow any of them to remain. But what we find is after the major fortified cities were defeated, and each individual tribe was settling into their own land, they refused to drive out the enemy. And so all of a sudden, we got a problem. Manasseh comes to Joshua and says, there's not enough room for us. We don't have any space. It, it, it would be kind of like this. It would be like you coming to me and saying, Pastor, 
man, our family has grown and we've got, you know, when my wife and I got married, this house was big enough for us and now we had, we had four kids and all of a sudden the house is too big and, I mean, not big enough and we're just crowded and, and needing more room. So we're thinking about buying a new house. Would you pray with us about that? So I pray with you and, and you find a new house. So you come and say, man, we found the perfect house for us and we bought that house and we moved in and everything's great. So about, I don't know, three months later, I, I, I find you in the hallway and I say, well, how's it going with a new house? And you say, oh, man, I want to tell you, Pastor, we are just so crowded. We just, you know, it, it is just so tight. And, and I look at you and say, well, wait a minute, I don't understand. You, you, you were tight in the house that you left, but, but I thought that this house was perfect for you and, and, and that there was a family living there that was even larger than you. And, the, and, and, and you were to say, well, well there, there, there is. There, there was a family that had seven in the family, and they're still there. And we just moved in with them. And all of a sudden, it's just not enough room. And I'm going to look at you and say, no, listen, there's plenty of room. You just need to get rid of the, the, the other family. You bought the house. It belongs to your. Why are you letting them stay in the house? And this is what Joshua is saying to the people of Ephraim. No, there's plenty of room. The problem's not the room. The problem is you haven't driven out the enemy you have allowed them to remain, and they're still here, and you've made friends with them. There's plenty of room. Just drive out the enemy. And the foolishness that we see on their part is a foolishness that makes it into our own heart as well. Because often you and I expect to receive new blessings from God when we've not worked out the blessings God's already given us. We're asking God to do something new when God's saying, but wait a minute, you've not been obedient yet to that which I've already given. You have allowed some Canaanites to remain in your life. And, and I guess the question for us is simply this, who are the who are the Canaanites that you have allowed to remain in your life? Since you began your walk with God, there are things that God said, you know what, I've called you to a new life and you're to let go of those things. And, 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 and I've called you to walk this way. These are the things I want you to do and, and these are the things that I don't want you to do. And yet, you've continued to do the things God said not to do and, and you've continued to avoid the things that God has said do and and you wonder why I'm not walking in victory. And in fact, you, you pray that God will bless you. Wait a minute, God, I am your children. Why, your child, why in the world would you not bless me? You have led me here. And God says, but, but wait a minute. The blessings are there. You're just not walking in obedience. And there are several reasons I think that this happens one of them is that there was a spirit of compromise that comes up in, in the nation of Israel that wells up in our heart as well. A spirit of compromise that, that, that sometimes says, well, you know, I, I know that God wants me to get rid of all of the enemy, but, but, but maybe one or two is not bad. I mean, we can get rid of most things. I know that God's told me not to do certain things, but maybe this 
sin is not that bad. It's okay if, if I bring that into my life. It, it's wrong, I know, but just a little bit wrong. After all, nobody's perfect. And so it's okay. And we compromise and justify sin in our life. We justify doing what God tells us not to do and not doing what he tells us to do. Many times we'll look at other people and say, well, I know other Christians that do worse than that. And they seem to be fine. So shouldn't it be all right to continue with this enemy in my midst? I want to tell you, compromising God's word is nothing more than disobedience. God told Joshua early on, Joshua, don't depart from the word to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience there's no substitute for that. The reason I tell you to do what you do is because that will guarantee success and victory. And if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to avoid the victory that I have for you. Compromise of the Word of God. Another thing that I think happened was a spirit of complacency. Notice that they said, we'll just make forced labor out of them. You know what? We'll just, we'll just turn this bad thing into a good thing. Why do we need to get rid of them when they can become our servants? In other words, this is what we say. I'm stronger than my enemy. So I'm just going to make this my slave. This, this sin, it may be a problem for you. But it's not a problem for me because I'm strong. This thing, listen I, I, listen, I can walk away from this anytime I want to. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor I've heard people say, well, I can quit this anytime I want to. Well, why don't you? All of a sudden, we allow the enemy to come into our life, and we begin with a spirit of compromise to the Word of God and a, com and a complacency toward this thing and say, well, you know what? It's okay for it to allow it to remain there as long as I am in control. Sometimes the reason we allow sin to remain in our life that robs us of victory is because we're just a coward. <laughs> I think that's what happens here. When Joshua says, guys, there's plenty of room just in the hill country, go clear the trees and drive out the Canaanites and, and there's plenty of land for you. And this is what they said. No, there, no, 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 you don't understand, Joshua. There's not enough room in the hill country and the Canaanites have chariots of iron. Well, now, you know what? It wasn't the forest that was a problem. It was the iron chariots that were a problem. They were afraid. They're strong. And Joshua was as if to say, wait a minute, guys. Have you learned nothing? Do you forget what God did at Jericho? Have you forgotten what God did? I, have you forgotten those five armies that came against and how God defeated them? Do you not understand that God has put you here? God has commanded you to do this. And if God tells you to do it, he's going to give you the power and the grace and the strength to make it happen in your life. Have you forgotten? And they were afraid. And I think that fear sometimes keeps us from the victory God has. I know that God doesn't want me to do that, but man, if I don't do it, what are other people going to think? What's going to happen if I'm not, I might not fit in with a group if I, if I don't do that? If I don't allow that to be a part of my life, then, then and, and you know what? Maybe I can go 
places I shouldn't go and do things I shouldn't do. And that's my way of reaching the people that are there with the gospel. I can defeat this. I'm stronger. And we, with complacency and with cowardice, we allow sin. That's why God said to Joshua in the very beginning of the chapter, Joshua, I'm going to tell you something. If you want victory, you got to be courageous and you got to be strong. Be strong and courageous. You've got an enemy that's going to come against you and it's going to take every bit of courage you can muster and every bit of strength that you have to trust me and hold to me. But you hold to me. I think the first reason that many of us never experience the victory that God has for us is because we exercise partial conquest. There's sin in your life that you've allowed to remain there. You've made friends with. There are things that you're doing that you know God doesn't want you to do. There are things that you need to do that you know that God wants you to do that you're not doing, and you know it. And partial conquest costs you victory. And the whole time you're begging God for victory, and you're not getting it. And you don't understand why. And God says, wait a minute, it's because of your disobedience. The second thing that I want you to notice is simply this. Not only is it true that partial conquest will rob us of victory, it's also important to recognize that when we expect preferential treatment, we are robbed of victory. What's interesting in the story before us is that Manasseh is the firstborn of Joseph. So they come to Joshua and they say, hey, you know, if it wasn't for dad, um, Israel wouldn't even be here. You, you know that Joseph saved us at a time when, when he was in Egypt and, and God made some promises and from that, we, we are a tribe uh, uh, from Joseph. Manasseh was the firstborn of Joseph. And they thought, you know what? We're privileged. They even say it, don't they? We are a numerous people. And we have been blessed by God. Oh, my goodness, we are special. Ephraim is another of those that rises up. And you know what Ephraim thought? Because they were related, actually, through bloodline to Joshua. So they thought, we're kin to the leader. And because we are related to the leader, we ought to get preferential treatment. And so we have a little sidebar session with Joshua, and we expect him to give us something that he might not give to everybody else because we deserve that. Surely we deserve special treatment. And you know what's amazing to me is how many of you think the same thing. We think we need special treatment. See, we've learned something over this, this journey together. We've learned that we have to stay in God's word, right? Don't depart from it to the right or to the left. You stay in the word of God in order to find victory. We have learned, even as, as, as recent as last week, that we have to have time in prayer every day if we're to walk in victory. And you know what amazes me? 
is that many of you are asking God for victory and you're not doing that. You're not spending any time in the word and you're not spending any time in prayer. You're not walking in obedience, but you're still asking for blessings. Oh God, bless me. Oh God, come through for me. Oh God, and you know what you're, what you're ultimately doing is saying, you know what? I'm privileged. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to do the stuff that you have to do in order to have victory. One of the things that we've recognized in our study, God is very specific in what he tells the nation of Israel. Everything he tells them to do is important in order for them to walk in victory. And many of us want to come to a place where we have victory in our lives without doing anything. I shouldn't have to pray. I shouldn't have to read the Bible. I shouldn't have to live anyway. God ought to just bless me because I'm his. He should just be happy to have me on his team. And you know what? That's the attitude that many of us have. And then, and then we have the audacity to get angry at God, right, when he doesn't bless us? And we blame him. What's wrong with you, God? Why would you not allow me to be blessed? Why is it that you allow the wicked to prosper? Why is it that you allow all these things to happen? Never once looking at ourselves, we're expecting preferential treatment. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is that we have come to the place where Manasseh and Ephraim has come, where we possess today a spiritual arrogance. When we look at their life, they boasted that they were a great people. We can give God all kind of reasons why he should bless us in spite of the fact that we have been disobedient. They, they, they saw themselves as singularly blessed by God. I want to tell you something. Pride can slip into our life unnoticed and allow us to become the most ungrateful people, demanding of God his goodness, Angry when God doesn't come through, when all the while we've allowed the enemy to remain. And all the while we have failed to be obedient to what God has said. Listen, I wish there was an easier way, but there's not. Do you understand? This is what this book is teaching us. Along with spiritual arrogance, I think there's another reason that we sometimes slip into this, and I think it's the number one problem with most of us. We're just lazy. The bottom line is that so many of us spiritually are just lazy. Joshua said, clear the forest, drive out the Canaanites. I don't want to clear the forest. That, man, that's work. I don't want to clear the forest. That's, man, that's hard work. You got to cut down trees. I mean, it's, you're going to sweat. It's hard. It's difficult. We don't want to build because that's, that's too hard. Well, drive out the Canaanites. Well, we don't want to battle <clears throat> because that's bloody. 
and it's nasty and it's bad and it's hard and we shouldn't have to fight anyway. This is our land, God, you ought to fight those battles for us. And so because they don't want to build and they don't want to battle, they just settle in and beg. And how many times do we do the same? Oh, God, please, please. And God says, clear the forest. Drive out the Canaanites. Listen, you don't have to beg me to bless you. I, I want to bless you. I love you. Every example we have in the Bible is God showing us that loving parents, you don't have to talk them into doing good things for their kids. They want to do good things for their kids. And God says, if a loving parent wants to do good things for the kids, how much more do I want to do good things for you? It's not that I don't want to bless you. It's not that I don't want you to walk in victory. I want you to walk in victory every day. I've come. The very reason I came is so that you can walk in fullness, that you can have life fully. But I want to tell you something. There's something you need to do to access the power that I make available to you. And the two things that will rob us of victory is when we have partial conquest, you allow sin to remain in your life, you are not living as God has called you to do, and you know that, and you do nothing about it. And then you continue to ask God to bless you. It just don't work. And when there is preferential treatment, when you think God should ignore the fact that you're not doing anything about it and bless you anyway. Now the third thing that we notice is in the text before us, you're going to forfeit your victory when you ignore proper priorities in your life. Joshua's solution is, is really easy. I mean, his solution to their problem is, is, is simple. He, he, says, he says to them in, in verse 17 and 18, Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh, and he said, you are a numerous people and you have great power. You shall not have one lot only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it. It's a simple answer. Just go clear the forest. There's plenty of land. And look at what he says next. For you shall drive out the Canaanites even though they have chariots of iron and even though they are strong. His solution to the problem is simply this. Clear out the forest, drive out the Canaanites. Now, I want to tell you something. If you can kind of remember that, I think you will be well on your way to experiencing this daily victory in your life. Just, just clear the forest and drive out the Canaanites. Now what does that mean for me? today. You know, as I begin to look at that, I'm thinking of this. Get, get rid of, I, I think when he says clear the forest, what he's saying to me is simply this. Get rid of the harmless stuff in your life. There's nothing wrong with a forest, right? Trees aren't evil. They're not bad things. God made them. And there's nothing wrong with a forest unless that's where you want to build your house. And if you want to build your house where a tree is, then, well, the tree's got to go, right? 
I think what he's saying to us is simply this. Sometimes the things that rob us of victory are those harmless things that we allow to remain in our life. Remember what we talked about prayer and Bible study time? This is, it becomes one of those, I think, harmless things where most of us say, Pastor, I know what you say about Bible study and I know what you say about prayer and I've heard it a thousand times and I feel bad about it, but listen, here's the bottom line. I'm just too busy. You just don't understand. When you, it's easy for you to talk about prayer. It's easy for you to do that, for you to carve that out in your life, and in your, but, but you don't understand. I just don't have time. I'm so busy, there's no time to pray, there's no time to, to, to give to God, there's no time to do those things that he's talking about. And you know what I think he's saying in the text before us? Then make room. Maybe you need to cut out a few trees. Maybe there are, and, and when I say cut out a few trees, I'm not talking about the bad stuff, maybe it's good stuff. You know that good stuff can get in the way of the best. Maybe if you're too busy to pray, you, you, you need to get rid of something. You need to adjust your schedule. You need to begin to look at what is it going to take, because this is what I've discovered. Here, here's, here's a truth for you. Every one of us have the same amount of time every week. Do you know that? I don't have more time than you. You don't have more time than We all have the same amount of time. 24 hours in a day. Seven days in a week. We all have the same amount of time. And this is what I've discovered. No matter how busy you get, I've discovered that people usually find the time to do the things that they think are important. So if you don't think it's important to spend time in prayer, you're not going to do it. If you don't think it's important to spend time in the Word, you're not going to do it. And you're going to make excuse after excuse after excuse as to why you can't do the things that God is directing the nation of Israel to do in order to experience the victory. You're never going to have the time to do it. And you know what God says? Clear the forest. There's some trees you need to cut down. There's some things you need to stop doing. There are some adjustments that you need to make to your schedule. So I, I, I think ultimately he's saying clear the forest. Then the final thing, and we're, we're done. Not, not only do we need to clear the forest, the, the harmless stuff, we need to clear out the stuff that corrupts us. We need to get rid of the Canaanites. After the trees comes the Canaanites. And you know what? I think he got the order right. Because the only way you're going to have the power to get rid of the sin in your life is having set aside time with God in his word and in prayer to find his power to help you overcome. The power to let go of a habit, to drive out an enemy comes from giving priority to time with God and his word. So I guess we ask two questions. What are the trees you need to move? What are the battles that you need to fight? I think you know. And there are three things 
that will keep you from victory today, and that is partial conquest. If you don't fight and defeat the enemy, if you let him stay and make excuses, if you think that God should bless you even though you're not walking in obedience, you're going to be robbed of victory. And if you ignore proper priorities, you'll never experience victory today. But if you do those three things, I think we'll come to the end of the day saying, wow, wow, I am walking in the fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message you've given us today, the opportunity to respond. This hadn't been a fun message. It's been a tough one, Josh. He just, he just called it like it was. And when we look at it, we have to see it that way. So Holy Spirit, would you do your work in our hearts and lives and would you put your finger on those areas in our life where we're disobedient? This is something we're doing that you said not do. It's time to quit. It's time to fight that battle. And the only way we can is through prayer and spending time with you and accessing your power. So help us do that. And when we gain victory over that, we're able to walk in the victory that you have for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us how to apply these truths. And I pray we will in Jesus' name. Amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.